Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now please sit back and enjoy Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. (laughs) Welcome to my show. Remember, each week, this is the place you go to when you want to learn about what is going on out there in the world when it comes to anything and everything out of the ordinary. I don't care if it's Bigfoot, Mothman, or Shadow People, or near-death experiences, or if you're having truly weird waking dreams, out-of-body experiences. I mean, how else are we going to get to know what's going on out there in the world unless we connect Unless we tell somebody. And, uh, well, I'm kind of broadcasting it. Um, But yeah, this is the place. So go to my main website, which is shadowfolks.com or heidihollis.com and write me. Tell me what's going on. You're always welcome to come on this program to share. But I am telling you, nine times out of ten, everybody would prefer to send me an email. And I don't mind. Because... The details and the form of communicating sometimes is easier for people and their nerves don't get the better of them where they're trying to think of what best to say next. So the longer the email, the better. I don't mind one bit. And I'm telling you, I have learned something. And and, and it's something I've kind of realized for a long time. Like I'm, I'm part of the old school, I guess you could say, where we had the UFO meetings and got to meet people face to face. And, but it's not that old school, is it? Because there's a lot of people that still do that. But in the COVID world, it makes it a lot more difficult. And I get it. Um, But there's something that's missing when it comes to this COVID world or the internet world where we're just zooming and we Google, and we find uh, a forum, and we get some information, and it's like, okay, I shared, I think, but there's something to be said about physically connecting with people, getting out and meeting people. And I'm bringing this up for a reason, because my goodness, I had a blast more recently, having gone to a UFO festival, and Wow, I didn't know how much I, I, I needed that, how much I missed that. And it was COVID safe and, you know, we all practice uh, safe distance and the masking and all that good stuff. And uh, I met great people there, great people, the people who attended to the speakers. And in fact, it leads right into a couple of things on this program today. One being the guest today is from 
that conference. And her name is Katie Grabowski. And uh, I have to tell you, connecting with her and the other speakers were fabulous. By the way, I mean, I had a great time, learned a lot from every single person. And uh, yeah, but also, I, I always say I don't, I don't peek at the emails when I get them. I really don't. But sometimes they're just so short. And I'm like, what am I doing? okay, well, I'm reading this here. Oh, well, hey, and randomly picked an email. And lo and behold, it fits right in to the conversation with what I wanted to address in this first segment before we get to Katie. So, um, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hop right on over. And I'm going to read that to you right now. So you can see what I mean. It starts off. Dear Heidi, I am a lifetime abductee, black eyed teens, doppelgangers, angels, aliens, and evil crap since I was two years old. Now 66 and finally I'm over PTSD and looking to help others fight these agents from Hades. He didn't say Hades, but um, <laughs> I would love to talk for a while and see if we see eye to eye and ask, what do you do to fight and teach others to do that? Thanks, Doug. Short and sweet, you know, short and sweet. So I, I saw that and I was like, oh, that is just so perfect. So many people, so many people are experiencing a multitude of things from something that might seem other dimensional to solid to cryptid like stuff to black eyed teens. I mean, gosh, Doug, I wish you wrote about that because I really want to learn and hear more about the black eyed children because those things really freak me out. But doppelgangers would love to hear about that more too. I, I've experienced that. And uh, yeah, but listen to what he's saying here. He's calling this stuff evil. So a lot of people when they experience something alien, uh, especially over time, uh, there's a shift. There's a shift that happens. People people shift in their thinking on what was thought to be uh, traumatic, post-traumatic stress disorder often comes from alien abductions and they go to seek help. And then lo and behold, it's been aliens this whole time and had no idea. And then I've watched this over the years when people shift and like, oh, I guess it's not so bad. Um, I've gotten used to the surgeries and, and them interrupting my sleep and taking my children to the window and, and doing all these different things. And, but this person here has come out saying it's evil. And, uh, I like to say there's definitely a conflict in alien contact where people are experiencing more than one thing. But some of these people, straight up abductions, experiments, uh, same stuff that's going on uh, for I don't know how long. And but the person's perspective is has changed. And um, I'm not one to knock a person for what they believe to be true for themselves, because who am I? Um, but I just like to put that thought out there. And, and what I learned, too, from uh, encounters with with things that I have also had, uh, not of the alien abduction kind, uh, but beings that say beware because some of these beings can shape shift to make themselves look at like other beings. And you think, oh, those are the good guys I had a conversation with. They didn't do any experiments on me. And then all of a sudden, whoa, these 
guys I thought were nice did experiments on me or or they get convinced to say uh you agreed to this in a past life or or they get a memory even you agreed to have this happening to you so they become more um I don't know pliable to what's going on uh or or they're taught something and so they get you know they're they're okay with what's happening but again not trying to knock people for what they believe to be true for themselves for myself um I don't if somebody's coming over and abusing me, I, I would ask them to leave and I, I wouldn't try to get used to it, you know, but, and it's like, Oh, but did I get used to the abuse? And then it seemed like I agreed. I don't know. You know, what's going on here. I see the shift. I don't understand it. Um, but then some of these people become more spiritual, more spiritually inclined, more aware about the, the environment. And these all sound like wonderful things, but a lot of people, are becoming more spiritual these days. A lot of people are more aware. Um, But then there's people who also step away from spirituality, or they'll just stick to the spiritual uh, topic as uh, as that not religious, I'm spiritual. It's like, okay, I get it. Um, But you know, what what is this? Uh, What why is this? You know, are these beings encouraging this? Uh, Is that okay? The beings that I had contact with said uh, the beings that do abductions, do try to put the thought of preserve the planet um, environmentally. And the more positive beings say, but that's not the most important thing that should be focused on. Putting all that energy into that is not the most important thing. And I'm like, I'm confused. What do you mean? It's like the most important thing are tending to souls, saving the souls the earth recycles. That's what it does. It will recycle. It will repair itself. But focusing on the souls is what's important. So diverting attention from that is not a good thing. That's what I was told. Um, just sharing. Uh, a lot of people think otherwise because environmental uh, things are are positive, you know, and I get that. And I feel that is too. I think we should definitely do our best to keep this planet in, in decent shape for ourselves and the next generation. So, but the conflict and alien contact, like we're taking the words of beings that are doing things that I wouldn't volunteer for surgery. <laughs> I wouldn't volunteer to have hybrid children. I wouldn't volunteer. I mean, in my, my today mind, I would hope I wouldn't volunteer or past life mind, you know? Um, yeah. So I, that's, that's where I come from on it. But there are people and a lot of people are like, what they once thought was negative, they don't anymore. And I'm like, okay, why? We should understand this. But these things, these conversations, what I'm getting at, <laughs> I got I got a little sidetracked. But what I'm getting at is it, we should have these conversations and discuss it with each other. We have these conclusions independently oftentimes because we, we are just kind of connecting online. We're Zooming sometimes. A lot of us do not get out to meetings and actually you know, grab a coffee and have a conversation. And and it's a whole different thing when you feel you could totally trust the person in front of you. And and that's, that's special. And that's what's missing these days. And I I had a UFO paranormal discussion group called UFO2U.com. It's a number two and letter um, U.com. And wow, I learned a lot. I grew and I, and I saw people, I connected with them. I got to know them for years and I, I understood to a degree some of the shift. I got to ask the people, 
you slept with a gun under your pillow. Why are you okay with the aliens now? I, you know, so I got to have these conversations and I think we need to have that connection again. And uh, it, Doug, you're asking, how can you help teach people to fight and teach others to do that? It's getting out and connecting with the people. It's having a meeting, uh, getting on one of these apps where you can have a meetup or, um, you know, just connect. Absolutely. It is a brilliant thing. And I got that opportunity to do that at this recent UFO festival in Oregon. And it was so needed. And having that chance, I wish others did too. And yes, we're in a COVID world. We're going to have to work on uh, working around these things so we can all stay safe. But wow, I cannot wait for people to learn to reach out again. And I think we're going to have a resurgence of that because we have been locked down for so long. And I think we're going to find more value in having the groups come back to life. Even I am thinking of bringing back mine. So, and uh, my guest today is actually from that conference. And I think you're going to really enjoy her. It is going to be Katie Grabowski. And wow, are you in for a treat? We're talking connections to something like Skidwalker Ranch. Oh yeah. You guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We're happy to let you know that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached 300,000 subscribers. You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows all for free. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. coasttocoastam.com is where you want to be. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one like my producer Anna oh my god my friend Dr. Mindy Shapiro hi it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner and of course Gail's sister Elaine Katz having no closure it kills you join us as we try to solve a 35 year old cold case It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. 
We're actually reopening an old case and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Coast to Coast AM mobile app is here and waiting for you right now. With the app, you can hear classic shows from the past seven years, listen to the current live show, and get access to the Art Bell Vault where you can listen to uninterrupted audio. So head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website. We have a handy video guide to help you get the most out of your mobile app usage. All the info is waiting for you now at coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal <laughs> Podcast Network. As promised, I have a fabulous guest. I have Katie Krabowski, who is the Colorado MUFON State Director and serves on the Colorado Board of Directors. She is a star investigator for MUFON and is team lead administrator for MUFON's Mars team, which is MUFON's archive research reporting system. She also conducts her own independent investigations and research outside of MUFON and founded the Colorado UFO Paranormal Research Group to further explore these topics and to share her discoveries with others others. Katie spends a lot of her time traveling to archives for research and to conduct interviews. She is the author of Letters of Light and Love, Four Decades of UFO Encounters, Experiences, and Sightings Shared with Ufologist R. Leo Sprinkle, Ph.D. She is currently writing her second book, High Strangeness, on a Colorado ranch, and she holds a Bachelor of Science in Visual Communications and owned her own graphic design studio, Design Junkie, and is the mother of five. I'm telling you, Katie is truly a tremendous force to be reckoned with and is absolutely necessary and needed to help further research today. So everybody... I'd love to welcome Katie Krabowski. How are you doing there, Katie? I'm doing great. I am soaking up the gorgeous Colorado sun. It's a beautiful day here today, preparing and enjoying it before winter hits us. 
Wow, that is <laughs> wonderful. Lucky you. We had a conversation just prior. I'm not even going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, I, I have to say, Katie, you know, I had the wonderful opportunity to connect with you. Uh, we were at uh, the UFO Fest up there in uh, McMinnville, Oregon. And uh, I am really impressed, first of all, with your background. Second of all, with your ginormous personality, you know, a lot of MUFON people get totally pegged for being all just, uh, I don't know, it's not, it's not an uptightness, but you guys are more scientifically based, but you are ultimately human. And I was very appreciative to get to know that very human side of you. You have a spark that I think is uh, really, really welcoming to a lot of people. Thank you, Heidi. That's so funny. I, I always like to say I kind of live in the center of the bridge. You know, I have that scientific side and I appreciate MUFON and MUFON, you know, we can have fun too. Yes. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like, uh, you know, you have to have some fun with some things or what's the point? I mean, you know, of we course. live one life and uh, I, I just think it's a great way to connect with people and and hear people's experiences and things that is vitally important to what we do in the field. And I like also the bridging of the UFO world and the paranormal world. Cause um, you know, if my experiences, I just can't, I can't disconnect the two. I feel they're very much connected. And the answer is ultimately going to be very complex. Very true. And, and there's science to kind of back that as well, that there's that bridge between the two, the paranormal and ufology. That's right. And I love that. I mean, you know, as far as, you know, the power of our consciousness and our mind. And I mean, I think that that's finally being taken more seriously and, and being studied more, you know, academically in universities and that. So um, I think that's an exciting, exciting thing. It truly. So my goodness, I have to ask. Uh, so being the state director for Colorado's uh, MUFON, um, I mean, how on earth and, and why on earth? Why did you get involved in these things? Well, um, I really got involved uh, in 2012. Um, you know, like a lot of people, you know, people go through life and they experience things they don't quite understand. And that happened to me from a very young age. I mean, you know, we had some experiences when I was really young, kind of family legends, both in Wisconsin and Illinois. And then in this, from 1975 to 1978, I spent a handful of times out on this very strange ranch out in Elbert County, Colorado. It was known in UFO folklore through the APRA reports as the Clearview Ranch or the Rocky Mountain Ranch. Um, it is in Elbert County. And uh, it's very much like the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. So those sat, you know, I had these memories. My sister and I have these things happening. We were threatened and warned really never to talk to anybody about it. So I didn't never even knew it was reported or investigated or anything. And um, in 2012, I started watching, actually before that, it was, it was earlier than that. I started watching Ghost Hunters and love that show and all the paranormal stuff. And I was watching a documentary and they had mentioned MUFON or the Mutual UFO Network. And I had my degree in graphic design, I thought, ooh, maybe I can be at a field investigator, kind of figure out what the heck all that was that happened in my earlier years. 
And maybe I can sketch like ETs or beans and craft, which I, I've never really done, but that was sort of my intention to begin with. And anyway, um, and you know, I've, it's just been uh, kind of rabbit hole you jump into, as many people know, the more you investigate, the more you learn, the more questions you have. And that's, you know, that's where I'm at. Well, that makes sense to me that you have that background in graphic design, because the presentation you put on was extremely colorful and very lively. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a lot of people appreciated that and wanted to get up out of their seats, quite literally, for many reasons. <laughs> ah, I appreciate that. Thanks. Oh, it was great. So, so it, it's fascinating to me. Like I, I, have, I think a lot of people that are involved in these uh, these types of topics are familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch and some of the very strange uh, happenings, but to have experienced something like that yourself and, and to hear your story. Um, it, it, I think the most disturbing part was the threat that you got and it wasn't an earthly threat. Are, are you able to go into that a little bit? Yeah, I sure can. Um, and I'll tell you, it, it's been, you know, you know, my, the MUFON side of me loves archives and research. And um, I spent, you know, eight years just doing that and not really sharing my story publicly, you know, uh, on any media platforms. Um, and I'm really glad I'm starting to do that now because the people that are coming out or that I'm um, learning about that have similar experiences is fascinating. And, and one such person I just learned about um, had the same disembodied voice. So what had happened, it was a weekend. My sister and I were out on the ranch for um, the um, boys's that we knew, we knew the three sons, um, his mom had a birthday. So the adults were playing a board game. My, uh, my sister and I, and the three sons were in the room hanging out. And all of a sudden there's a strange loud humming noise that would happen out there on the ranch property. And sometimes it would get so loud. You can't even hear yourself talk over it. And then all of a sudden the power goes out in the house, the brightest light you've ever seen, like the whitest, brightest light through the windows. And we're all just freaking out what's going on. And at that moment, this disembodied electrical voice, remember there's no power in the house at this point. And in a nutshell, it basically says, we've allowed you to remain. Your friends will be warned not to talk about us. Um, you know, so it, the actual whole sentence is in the briefing document that I read, but in a nutshell, it basically said, your friends will be Warned not to talk about us. And um, my mom and the adults in our lives at the time, I'm nine to 12 years old. I'm just a little girl. And they're like, Katie, you know, don't you say anything to anybody about this. Um, we don't know what will happen if you do. And so, you know, you learn to be quiet and shut up really fast. Well, yeah. So yeah. some of the, the strange uh, happenings, uh, tell us a little bit of more detail about what exactly you experienced. Like what was the first thing that happened? The first thing I remember happening is, you know, just like what we were talking about earlier, it was a, a spring, sunny day in Colorado, but yet there was this wet, heavy snow on the ground. Um, you know, spring times in Colorado are like that. We can get a really big snow and then the sun will come out and the weather's nice. Um, and so my sister and I were out there just tossing the Frisbee and we looked down and we just happened to notice that the dirt under our feet is not only no snow on it, but it was completely dry and nothing grew in it. And we're like, this is really strange. And it's one of those, again, we're, we're young. It's like that big memory, but we both remember it very well. It was just so unusual. And the, the whole ranch just had this eeriness about it. Just being on the property just felt 
different. You felt watched. It was strange. And what was cool is um, John Schusler, after he knew of my connection to the ranch, he gave me the original briefing document and investigation papers, uh, along with Dr. Leo Sprinkle when I went to go get the uh, research from um, his archives in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, they actually had that that snowless dry circle. They investigated that. And they said it was 35 feet in diameter. So it was cool to have that confirmation, like, there it is. That's that circle. But that was the very first thing my sister and I remember. That is amazing. I mean, yeah. it's quite physical. It's one of those things that uh, it, it helps to verify and justify it in your mind. And then to to have that absolutely verified later. I mean, I, I wish I had something like that, having grown right. up in some of the strange circumstances personally. So it's that's... Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, know? the confirmations of our, our memories have been just like, oh my gosh, it's so rewarding to have that, you know. And and also in that report, when it talked about that 35 foot in diameter diameter circle, it talked about the snow on the outside of it and there were drops of blood. So there were even more details in it. And at the time out there in Elbert County from 75 to 78, cattle mutilation was extremely high. That's where Linda Moulton Howe got her start out there as an investigative journalist researching all these mutilations out there. And it just wasn't cattle. It was horse. It was cow. It was sheep, even dog. Um, and so, and, you know, when I went out to investigate, um, the sheriff out there at the time, Bill Wall, the undersheriff, his, um, uh, wife now widow Jean and his youngest son live out in Florida. We flew out there to interview them. And, um, they were saying these things were almost a cream daily. That's how many of these things there were. Wow. That is amazing. Well, you know, I yeah. want to get into, uh, some of the details involved in your book and other experiences. So, after the break, we'll explore that. You guys are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's easier than ever to become a Coast to Coast AM insider and have access to past shows, the Art Bell Vault with classic audio and interviews, and so much more. And you can listen to the show live or on demand with your computer or cell phone, and the audio streams are high quality and crystal clear. It's easy to become an insider. Just head on over to coasttocoastam.com, the website, and you'll find all the info right there. That's coasttocoastam.com, coasttocoastam.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's George Nori, and thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Here we go with more Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Joining me is Katie Grabelski. She is, uh, wow, she's really got quite the story and uh, quite a few similarities between the famous Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, you were telling us a little bit about some of those odd experiences that you had. And I wanted to hear more about that and what you feel Skinwalker Ranch has in common with where you grew up. Yeah, I mean... You know, the commonalities between the Skinwalker Ranch and the Colorado Ranch are just astounding. I mean, from the cattle mutilations, the humming noises, the Native American connections, strange um, circles on the ground, the humming noises, the crypto creatures, the Sasquatch creature, I mean, on and on the list, uh, you know, these strange disappearing boxes. Um, But one of my... um, main objectives starting out in researching this property in the area, because I I thought at first it was just um, at that particular ranch, come to find out the activity was really high in the whole entire county. There's several small towns in Elbert County, Colorado. And so the activity was going on. It wasn't just isolated to the one property. Um, But what was really fascinating to me, and the question I really always had was, how much of this was unknown phenomenon, possible UFOs um, and beings, 
and how much of it was our own military and government out there? Because we had these strange uh, menacing helicopters um, that were out there and, you know, pulling up newspaper articles from back in the day. These helicopters were actually chasing people, menacing people. And we're talking young kids. Why would you do that? You know, what were these helicopters doing out there at the time? Um, there were two um, A-70s that in the report that I received um, said that they crashed in pursuit of a UFO. And it was so interesting because in Laughlin at a UFO conference, Richard Doty was there speaking. And I know, I know, you know, disinformation, he's kind of come out forward lately and said, look, man, I was just doing my job. But I thought it would be interesting to just ask him if he knew of the property, which he said that he did. He didn't say he was out there personally, but he was aware of it, which is really interesting to me that we have people in our military that we know were out there. We know NORAD was aware of what was going on. And we know um, Camp Carson and the Air Force Academy, they're all in Colorado Springs. And where this property sits um, wasn't too far from the lands that they owned. So my question had always been, what were they doing out there? Were they out there causing activity or were they out there trying to investigate activity? And what I've come to believe now is that it's a combination of both. I think both things were happening. And, I, I find, and I'm still, that's what drives me to keep digging because it's been so long now, you know, over four decades, certainly some of these helicopter pilots and, and military people, people that were connected to the activity, I would feel like, okay, it's okay to talk about what, what was happening out there. Like, you know, time to come clean guy, <laughs> you know, guys and gals time to come clean. So, I mean, there was just so much happening out there, but at the same time, through my interviews, so many things that you can't explain away just by military and cover-ups. I mean, these cryptid creatures, the Sasquatch creatures out there, some of the mutilations, although I know, you know, Christopher O'Brien and Chuck Zukowski ha have done decades of research on this topic. I don't claim to be the expert here. I know that some of them have very earthly explanations, but there are a handful that are really high strange strangeness that they're like, okay, that we don't have an answer to that, that that can't be explained away so easily. And then of course, there's these orange flying orbs that the sheriffs um, were witnessing, and they would fly off the property, do 90 degree right angle, angle turns. Um, some of these um, experiences by the sheriff and the undersheriff, these disappearing boxes and trees that would appear to go just into the ground just completely disappear i mean what is that all about so and then the paranormal things that were going on you know the ghosts and the, this so there's a lot to these properties that is amazing do yeah. you feel there's a interdimensional element that's going on um i do i i believe that's it just seems like one of the only logical explanations to me and you know and in talking about this and coming forward and sharing this information I've learned of other places, you know, now we have the Blind Frog Ranch and we have the Meadows, um, which is down south with Trey Hudson and we have Marley Woods in Missouri. And I learned through the Move on Mars Project, which the Move on Mars Project is um, all of the pre-computerized cases that MUFON would get, they would, you know, on paper. And I had a team of 15 people that would go through and redact all the private information out of these reports. So, I, you know, we have access to read and look at all these um, pre-computer reports from MUFON. And in there was the Ohio Pile, Pennsylvania creature case, which had numerous witnesses, the humming noises, the circles on the ground, the cattle mutilations, these Bigfoot creatures. And they claim they like shot at these things and it dis these Bigfoot would disappear in a flash of light. 
So there's another one. So I count that in there. And something that has is really intriguing to me is is to try and find like what is it about these places that either are allowing us to see the phenomenon more easily or is allowing these things to interact um, with the environment, um, you know, like portals or, or, or gates or something that are opening here. And something that I found, if you go to the um, United States Geological um, Magneticism map, you'll find that most of these or all of these locations are ping the charts as being highly magnetic areas. So I find that interesting. I think there's something important there. And I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that we're all going to start working together to look at some of these commonalities at these locations. Look at what we have in common versus the differences when it comes yeah. to these cross-research type uh, situations. And, and and I believe that there's always that situation. If you look and listen longer to the people that are telling you if they have a constant activity in one arena, uh, it, it seems like they're also susceptible to experiencing another. Um, and, and I remember you also mentioned having uh, shadow people encounters coming through. That's right. That's another one of my big questions. Um, you know, because I have experienced things and it really got that night that I talked about with the disembodied um, voice coming out of every orifice of the house that evening, you know, we left the ranch property and we live 45 you know, minutes away from that property. Um, we lived in Englewood, Colorado at the time. And I got home, made it through the front door, was down on the ground. I went paralyzed and my older sister, my mom are, you know, Katie, what did you eat? I'm like trying to say peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I couldn't, and that must've lasted, it seemed like five or 10 minutes or something. And then I, you know, came to, got up in my bed and had my first major episode of a migraine headache with the tunnel vision. Those who suffer migraines know what I'm talking about. And I suffered those for years um, and, and lucid, vivid dreams and the shadow people in my room, oftentimes by three, it was never one. It was either two or three. Um, I never slept alone after that. Always felt like I was being watched just a host of other things. And the more people you talk to about these things, you're like, oh, wow, they experienced that stuff too. And another thing I'd like to mention, even with Project Blue Book, you know, they were really just focused on the nuts and bolts craft, the propulsion, the configuration of lighting. Did it make a sound? You know, those kind of things. They never really even asked about the paranormal side of things. So, you know, going through all the newspaper articles from way back in the day, pulling names and trying to contact some of these folks, it's a great thing to say. Now, I know you had cattle mutilations because most of the articles are written about the cattle mutilations and what they thought was going on at the time, whether they're, you know, cults doing this or, you know, their theories on what was happening. Um, but they didn't ask them about the paranormal side of things, you know, or other activities or strange you know, humming sounds or any of these other, you know, crypto creatures or anything. So I think it's important that we go back and revisit some of these investigations because now we have more questions to ask more connections to make yeah definitely that is just uh it, it just blows my mind it, it, just when we think we have some kind of answer or understanding of anything going on when it comes to uh these supernatural type of events we i feel like with each case you have to start from ground zero and to try to trace the connections and who was where and what was going on at the time. I mean, did you ever find any kind of connecting 
source to why some of the things happened as they did for you? Um, well, I, I think that's a huge problem in this field. Um, you know, reinventing the wheel, having to go back, you know, that was fascinating to me learning um, how I first found out about this, that this was ever reported in the first place or investigated um, is I bought a book in 2013 titled Hunt for the Skinwalker by George Knapp and Colm Kelly, her PhD. And I didn't know anything about the Skinwalker Ranch at the time. And, you know, they didn't have a show on, on the History Channel or anything. I just knew it was about a ranch and some strange stuff. So I bought the book and I get to other hotspots, the chapter other hotspots, and they start talking about the ranch in Colorado. And I knew it was the ranch I had spent time on as a young girl. And I called my sister right away and my mom right away. And you're not going to believe this. But in that book, um, they mentioned Dr. Leo Sprinkle, PhD, John Durr, PhD, and Pe Peter Van Arsdale, PhD, were all out there on the ranch, along with Clarissa Bernhout who was a psychic medium, which I found fascinating. And I got to interview her as well. Um, but to learn that that place was actually being investigated was shocking and, and unbelievable. But more importantly, when I went to go research it, uh, I got lost in all these letters written to Dr. Sprinkle. And it was very apparent to me that we're just always reinventing the wheel. There's thousands of thousands of books on the topic, both paranormal and UFOs. There's so many unbelievable researchers and scientists and people who have been trying to find the answers to these things and these connections for decades and decades. And it makes you humble really fast. And it makes you think, wow, just when we think we're finding some sort of parallel or connection with, you know, like, for example, ooh, it must be like a frequency thing or a magnetic thing or this thing or that thing. They've already thought about that. They've already explored that. And I was like, oh, crud, you know. So it just... um. You know, you could spend a lifetime trying to find one little piece of this big puzzle, you know, and it's difficult. It's really yes, difficult. Truly. Well, I want to get into details about this book that you pulled together um, and that was connected to Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It sounds really fascinating. So you guys, you're listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. The internet is an extraordinary resource that links our children to a world of information, experiences, and ideas. It can also expose them to risk. Teach your children the basic safety rules of the virtual world. Our children are everything. Do everything for them. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one like my producer Anna oh my god my friend Dr. Mindy Shapiro hi it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner 
and of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Heard on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I have Katie Grabowski. And wow, you guys, you have never heard such a story. I am really, really digging it. And uh, I haven't had anybody come on the show that says, you know, I really got involved in, in looking into these topics because I read my story in a book already. What? <laughs> yeah, I know it was, it was quite shocking for me as well, but also just like validation, like, oh my gosh, my sister, we're like, we're, we're not crazy. The, oh my gosh, this happened, you know, cause yeah. you know, yeah, it, 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 I'll never, ever forget that night. And of course, Dr. Leo Sprinkle, who is 
just a gem and a pioneer in the field for experiencer and a hypnotherapist and uh, a, a psychologist out of Laramie, Wyoming. He's old school. He didn't do, you know, emails or anything. So I had to handwrite him a letter and I'll never forget walking to my mailbox and getting that letter back from him going, yes. And he had the last name of the family and the look. And I'm like, oh, I knew it. Oh my gosh. Wow. That, that is an unforgettable day. And, you know, next week, it's a two and a half hour drive to me for me to Laramie. So I made that drive, met with Leo, and he is the most gracious time of his of his spirit and his time. Like he, we sat on the couch and talked for two hours in his office. He's just the sweetest man you can ever want to know. I actually went last week and visited him. Um, you know, he's ninety one, but now um, he's he's hanging in there. Wow. Um, but um, he's just a great guy. So what ended up happening is. I went to the archives, which is open for anybody. You can go to the Heritage Center in Laramie, and he has 84 boxes of his lifetime of work there. And I went to pull the um, file on the ranch, which is there, but I got lost. I pulled every file out of every box. I got lost in people's letters that had written to him over the decades. And we're talking from experiencers, from PhDs, from other people in the field. They're all filed in there. And they're fascinating. And I just, you know, made a dozen trips back and forth. And I would take photographs of hundreds of these letters. Then I'd go home, I'd organize them all into files, you know, box 33. And then I'd go through and I'd read them all. And I kind of pulled all the juicy parts out of the letters. Like I felt if I found them interesting, other people would find them interesting. And it came to me in a dream. You need to put these in a book. So the book is Letters of Love and Light. Four Decades of UFO Encounters, Experiences, and Sightings Shared with Ufologist R. Leo Sprinkle, Ph.D. There's several different chapters in the book on hypnosis. Something a lot of people wrote about were, was this a dream or was this a memory? Um, abductions, channeling the ETs, letters from children, um, um, Dr. Sprinkle kept all his response letters. So every chapter begins with a quote that um, relates to the chapter. And that's cool because you can kind of see how his process of thought changed through the decades. So it was just this huge labor of love. And like I said, it made me so humble to read the work of so many other pioneers in the field. And it kind of, you know, it was, it was just a great experience. It was a really great experience. I was so happy to honor him in this way. Um, and along the way, I learned a lot of cool things, you know, from different people and different letters. What were some of the more interesting experiences that you read? One, one that really surprised me, um, I would uh, hope most of your listeners would be familiar with the 1975 Travis Walton abduction case out of Snowflake, Arizona. So I come across a letter in box 20, folder 31, from a gentleman that lives in Illinois, um, the letter's dated um, March 13th, 1981. And he, he says, I'm a senior citizen now and not ed educated to your level. I have been a country preacher for many years now. Um, and he, he goes on to talk about, it was a year between 1931 and 1934. Um, our bus had run through a small place that I believe to be Snowflake, Arizona. And he goes on to talk about an abduction experience he had with a blue light, uh, pretty similar description of this. I mean, so I'm like, wow, this is an earlier Snowflake, Arizona incident um, from a preacher that talks about that. 
Um, that's interesting. There's yeah. also some really cool information I found on F.E. Warren Air Force Base. It was a multi-witness um, sighting out there in Cheyenne, Wyoming, 1965, with multiple, multiple military witnesses, nuclear shutdowns, and, and you name it. So that was fascinating. There's just so many things. Um, and, and not only from the United States, but, you know, stories from Brazil and all around the world. So, you know. Amazing. Did, did yeah. you get uh, a sense of what beings people were having the most interactions with? Were they all grays or? You know, that's really a great question. And something that also fascinates me about this topic is it seems to me reading through the letters and reading the books and all the research that the phenomenon has, it seems to somewhat shift. Like for me, my my favorite decade to read about and research, of course, is the 1970s, <laughs> you know, because of my experiences out on the ranch property. <laughs> and it's fascinating to read about these because there were like more um, accounts of actual landed craft or beings in these suits, silver suits, blue suits. And, and of course, you don't know how much of that is popular media. You know, it, 1977 was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which I had to laugh because it just occurred to me, I'm like, wow, I don't think everybody looked at that as like a documentary film. Or what I was watching <laughs> and I'm like, that's like true life. I'm living that. I'm living that crap. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for the language. Um, but so I thought that was funny. But you know, so, you know, you, you hear these um, encounters of, you know, beings working on craft. And of course, there were the humanoid types and the grays and the and then the the cases that come into MUFON now seem to be more lights in the sky. And if there is an encounter case, it's more personal, like in my bedroom kind of thing. And, you know, the beings came to me, not like by a landed craft in a field, but in my room. So it's sort of changed in that way. And I find that really interesting. Wow. It have the different things that occur during abductions. Has that altered at all over the years? You know, again, reading, and I get a lot of this from just reading the letters and research from Dr. Leo Sprinkle, because he worked with experiencers and abductees for so long. Um, and it seems to me those types of commonalities um, haven't changed all that much when it comes to, you know, you know, the hybrid program or being put on a table and, you know, something, a needle stuck in your navel or these, that seems to remain fairly consistent, even as early as like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, those things tend to be fairly consistent through all the decades. Uh, and uh, I know out there when we were at UFO Fest, you know, Ray Hernandez just in his team are doing research on that as well, looking, you know, talking to experiencers from the around the world and, and trying to find those connections as well. And um, yeah, so that hasn't changed so much. Yeah, it seems the things that have changed, uh, I've been involved in it for a while myself. And, and the the perspective of those who were taken have changed from horror to, I think I was chosen to, I guess I'm okay with this. And it was always puzzling to me that part because it was PTSD that got them to realize they were experiencing what they were. And I, I, I honestly believe there's a conflict in alien contact that they may be having positive experience with different beings that might look similar 
and ones that are doing things like, I don't know anybody that would volunteer for surgery. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) No, you know, I I have that same kind of thing. And on the ranch property, I did not see any ET beans that I consciously remember seeing on the ranch, but it was reported that there were two types of beans out on that property. And in fact, they, it says they were in conflict with one another. One was this very mechanical looking bean with tubes and wrinkles around the mouth, wrinkles on the forehead, really heavy brow, not the huge, huge almond eyes, but bigger than our eyes. And what's fascinating about that, those sketches were in Dr. Leo's files and I put them in my back pocket. I didn't put them anywhere. I didn't share them with anybody because I wanted to find something that looks similar. And lo and behold, you know, a year and a half, two years later, we have a guest speaker, Sean Bartok, talk about his book, Flashbacks, was about, and it was about a property he had in Castle Rock, Colorado in the early 70s, all sorts of very similar high strangeness activity, and up comes these drawings, and you couldn't match these two beings any closer. Wow. I actually did a morph of the two, and I was like, what are the chances of that? That blows my mind. Yeah. But the, that mechanical being, but there was also these humanoid like Nordic beings, and it was like they were in conflict. And Heidi, I really wrestle with that too. Like for me, I was terrified, you know, nightmares, never slept alone. Right. I mean, it was a scary time for me. I felt watched. I would run up to the nearest house. Um, you know, it, it, it went through that PTSD stuff, all of it. Um, but now just like so many experiencers, now I feel like I'm kind of driven and it's, you know, more of a positive kind of thing in my life. Um, I certainly don't feel chosen any kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, people ask me, do you think you were abducted? And I, you know, like I say, I, I don't know the answer to that. Dr. Sprinkle put me under hypnosis and I was kind of a little shocked of what came out of my <laughs> mouth. So I yeah. don't know, you know, right. I don't know. Um, right. But I wrestle with that kind of, how did that bad experience, that really frightening thing when I was a kid, where you felt isolated and alone, turn into something that I'm so driven about now. To Another find answers. Thing, yeah, it's really an interesting, interesting thing. That's wonderful. I so just how- hope I'm not being tricked. <laughs> Uh, right. Well, I mean, hey, but you might be inspired by a, an opposing force, another type of being for all you know. But I mean, it, it's a puzzle. How can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Um, I have a website. It's Katie Grabowski, K-A-T-I-E-G-R-I-B as in boy, O-S-K-I dot com thank you so much katie grabowski i really want to thank you for coming on the show today this was really fascinating yeah thank you so much for having me i can't wait to hang out again we had a blast (laughs) (laughs) it'll happen it'll happen yeah (laughs) all right everybody we have come to the bottom of another fabulous program remember to go to my main website shadow folks or heidihollis.com And tell me what's going on in your lives. What is it that you're experiencing? What are your thoughts? What's your research? And I mean A to Z, anything and everything. You have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Stay safe, everybody. Well, if you liked this edition of Dark Becomes Light, wait till you hear the next one. You've been listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.